0: Greetings
1: everyone, this is Brian Reesman, host of Side Jams. This is episode sixty-four, featuring Johnny Hawkins of Nothing More, talking about how he developed his Spirits Personality Test, which you can take over at spiritstest.com. If you'd like to see a lot of the visuals that accompany the test and its evolution, you can check out the episode on YouTube at Side Jams with Brian Reesman. The show is now available in both audio and video formats.
2: Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Jacoby from Papa Roach, and you are tuned in to Side Jams with Brian Reisman. Hey,
1: everybody! Brian Reisman with Side Jams. Our guest today, the very energetic and often angst-ridden frontman of Nothing More, Johnny Hawkins.
2: Angst-ridden, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello, thanks. Which for is you not-
1: it? Yeah, well, it was. interesting too because I mean, I, I like. I mean, I like a lot of your lyrics. I mean, it's. It was interesting to me on the last album, which is when I discovered you guys, not knowing you'd been around since 2003. So that's actually a pretty, that's a much lengthier period of time, but it sort of makes sense. It's all gestated and come together. But like a lot of personal lyrics, then a song like Go to War really was, ended up tapping into the political zeitgeist probably more than you might have anticipated at the time. (laughs) Um, And the new album also has songs about sort of, they feel like current events, but not necessarily really just about current events, just about the general state of humanity, I think.
2: Yeah, overall. definitely. Um, it's funny. A lot of the songs on that album uh, felt like two years too early. We should have released that album later because it, it really did seem to unfold to be a lot more relevant a few years after that album came out. But, yeah, we always, we always kind of keep our finger on the pulse of what's going on uh, socio-politically. Uh, I don't know if that's the right way to say that, but you know what I mean. You know, we've been,
1: But not overtly uh, politically, though, which is interesting.
2: Correct. Yeah. We, we do not like to get into, you know, we're not like a a rage against the machine where their whole thing is built around a political perspective or ideology. Um, We're individuals in a collective band and we all think differently. You know, we, we unify on our passion for music and human emotion, but uh, our points of view are very different because we're very different people. And, we respect yeah. that by trying to make it more about the questions that we ask as a band rather than the the answers that we try to shove down people's throats, you know? Well,
1: you know what we're going to talk about today, of course, is your spirit test. I printed out the black and white version of this anyway. Um, I, took, oh, nice. I took it earlier, you know, but I uh, <laughs> decided I would... I, I, I was thinking, you know, you, tell, you, you encourage... Obviously, the spirit test is... Well, actually, give us give us sort of give us the Cliff Notes or Johnny Notes version of of how the Spirit Test came to be, and how this is different than the other tests you've quoted, I and mean, you've talked about the meyer Briggs test, the Big Five, Carl Jung. How did this all yeah. start? Um,
2: you know, we've always been uh, a band that liked to go deep on things, um, from the concepts in our music to the concepts of the album to kind of the cryptic iconography and symbology we've had in our artwork for the past few albums um and that all kind of just started growing uh organically because we always like bands like tool and um you know progressive bands in the past like dream theater that had you know that that deeper element to what they did pink floyd you know stuff like that so yeah, um, yeah. we we always had a progressive side and but we never wanted to be you know um what's the word like kind of keep the average listener out because a lot of progressive music's almost too challenging for the average listener to to get into we wanted to be more progressive with our thoughts than just the sound of the band so um i personally have have always been deeply interested in the human psyche and how people relate to each other and how they relate to themselves and that's always kind of organically come out in the lyrics and over time the, those concepts started manifesting into these, uh, almost like these spirits that I kind of started outlining of, of just studying myself even. And I found this artist, uh, Michael Ulrich, who's kind of a, a Gothic hand-drawn artist who brought nice. these ideas to life. And I saw his work on Instagram and I was like, I gotta work with this guy because this really taps into this very, um, uh, I don't know. No, the word isn't primitive because it feels medieval, you know, but it is like these these aspects of our own humanity that just make sense on a subconscious level. When you look at some of the images, you know, you don't really understand it consciously when you see it, but something resonates with it, our, our own mortality and how we navigate this life. Um, and that's why I love yeah. artwork like that. And And so I started tying together his artwork and ideas with the things I had been developing on my own. And then uh, our designer who does a lot of our merch and uh, album art and stuff, Clint, he actually lives down the street from me a few doors. Um, I went over to his place. I was like, dude, check out this, this collaboration I'm doing with Micah. Can you bring it all together? And he, he brought it together and really made it, uh, it all pop and look right. And also look like our own, you know, art. And that kind of sparked, the concept and the artwork for this next album and the song Spirits um, of oh, the lyrical content and that all just tied together and it was clear once all that happened oh this is this is what the concept of this album is going to be and that led to um, me developing this Spirits test which I, I had been working on for a few years kind of in the background I it, Yeah, um, I, I was really bored on tours when we were in Europe back when we were like you know <laughs> playing crappy bars and making no money and, and had, we're staying in hostels or hotels that were just bottom of the barrel. And all I had was my laptop. And so I had a lot of time to kill stuck in a lot of transit. And I started just kind of going down this path, literally with a spreadsheet. I started inputting like formulas into a spreadsheet to start creating my own questions and seeing how I could deviate my own you know psyche because uh, at the time I was struggling with some personal <laughs> decisions and yeah. I- in that process that that's kind of where all this started growing
1: by the way it's, I, I decided to wear my doctor strange shirt I thought that might be relatively appropriate <laughs> nice yeah yeah this, this actually it's interesting this shirt if you can you nice. stand up if it reads dr Strange on one way but when you read it the other way reverse I think it's a sorcerer supreme which is hard to oh wow out it, it's uh, little, it, you, have, you have to look it up online, but it's still, a little trippy. It, yeah, and I'm not sure. I kind of, I don't know what the kind of typography that is that they can manage to reverse the words within the actual. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because cool. I mean, I you, you've talked about the fact that there's Meyer Briggs, there's the Big Five, there's Carl Jung. On the other side is the Zodiac, which kind of ties into tarot cards. Um, I think yeah, a big yeah, nice. astrology thing. Nice. My friend Cynthia Von Bueller actually did the Shakespeare Oracle, which is kind of cool.
2: Oh, wow. That's this interesting. I, I, yeah. I, haven't
1: looked, I haven't looked at it in a while, so hopefully you won't, won't hate me for saying that, but it's like, you yeah. know, things like... I mean, these are kind of cool little cards.
2: I haven't seen those, actually. Oh, that's dope. But yeah. interesting, the
1: death card. So, you know, the death card, what drives me nuts with things like the death card, you know, uh-huh. is like... <sighs> In horror movies, it's always death. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's transition. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so like... But what but you, but you're trying to do here is kind of go between sort of the... what you've talked about the, the sexy, mystical side of it with more like right. the line, dry science side of it. Um, right. What, right. Are, what are the differences with, like, Meyer Briggs and the Big Five and Carl Jung? What did you find... For people who don't know much about those tests, how would you break it down?
2: Yeah, of- um... The best way I like to think of it is like when you look at the different types of maps of terrain, for example, yeah. let's say you were just looking at a map of San Antonio, Texas, right? And you have the, the map that looks at the elevations in the landscape. And you that's have a map, that, right? And you have a map that's focused on the roads, you know, and how you can get through traffic, like the one on your phone. And then you have the maps that's focused on what differentiates the, the bodies of water from areas that are wooded and areas that are barren and, and all, all they are, are are maps looking at different aspects of the terrain. Right. So in the same way, what I've noticed with these different personality uh, assessments is that they just have a different lens and they're kind of looking at some things that are similar and some things that are different. And, so I just kind of took what I learned from, uh, you know, a lot of the ones that I had done personally in the past, and other things I'd studied, and and I noticed that right, there, right. they overlapped in some ways, and in other ways they kind of had their own little nuances that were unique. I mean, Carl Jung, I'm <clears throat> I'm still. I feel like only have scratched the the surface with him. Cause you can go super deep with some of his concepts and the shadow um,
1: self and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. He just had such a unique way of unpacking like the human psyche that I, I don't even feel, um, uh, adept enough to, to unpack it in language. Um, if, if you look at some of the things that, uh, Jordan Peterson, he, he's part of the big five project, Um, He he said some things about Carl Jung that really makes it make sense without having to dive deep on your own and and do all the deep, hard reading. But um, really, I was trying to kind of distill all that into something simpler because you can get lost in the weeds with it. I mean, there's so many ways you can unpack uh, this. And and so I decided to kind of simplify it. Originally, the test was like almost a hundred questions. It was just unbearable. You couldn't, your test. Yeah. It, it, it was just too wow. complicated and cause I was taking too many elements. So I, I had to over the course of a year, just really shed the skin on it and dial it down to like, what are the really important ones that really translate into things that I could talk about in someone's you know, character, you know, you, when you see like the, what do you call like these these Zodiac kind of uh, readings, if you will, or the, the, whatever for the day for a Scorpio or something, it's like the, a lot of times these things are just worded in a way that applies to almost everyone. I mean, you know, and, and people just take it personally and that's kind of the power. It's almost like song lyrics where, you you have a specificity yeah. enough to where it it's like oh that's from that person's heart and soul but it's vague enough in the way that you word it that it applies to them as well and they can so there's some element of that into all these things but on the scientific side there's so they can get so much more specific and predictive i feel like and so i just say yeah mm. i'm so interested by the middle ground between those two and that's that's a lot of what this thing's about.
1: Now, the Big Five, I saw a chart. There's five different personality traits, right, for the Big Five? Uh,
2: yes. Uh, and, and of each of those, I believe there's two. Um, what do they call They're called like sub components or sub traits or something.
1: What I've looked up here in the Big Five personality mm-hmm. test is that, for example, there are statements like your test, like I have a kind word for everyone, I'm always prepared. And it starts in a neutral. Anywhere from inaccurate to neutral to accurate. Right. Um, And yours is sort of disagree up to negative three, neutral, and then agree up to positive, up to three, positive three. Yes. But then it creates, I guess there are five factors of personality are openness, consciousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism.
2: Yes. Yeah. And 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 that's another one with like
1: dozens of questions.
2: Like those big five, like if you look at agreeableness, like one of those five you just mentioned, underneath that category, there's two subcategories that they have. Uh, One is compassion and one is politeness. So they view those as separate things, but together they contribute to the one of the big five, which is agreeableness, right? How agreeable you are. Um, how like that was a big one actually that I adopted in my test was uh, agreeableness. Yes. You know, how, how likely are you to engage in conflict or avoid it? You know, cause some people, and there's not a right or wrong answer. In some situations, avoiding conflict is more efficient, it's more harmonious, and you get better things out of it. And then in other situations, being someone who's disagreeable gets you better results. And most people just, you know, with my test, it's not about which one you are in like a concrete sense because we have right. we all have both. It's it's just which one of these you tend to lean towards more often than not.
1: Now, obviously, with this with this as a printout before with this particular mix, this is all very kind of dark and gothic. So it's just sort of like the it's like yeah. eight death cards. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah. But so what what made you choose this visual aesthetic? And mm-hmm. then how is this test how for you how is this test different than the other ones that we've been talking about?
2: So the visual aesthetic is very inspired by Carl Jung's idea of the archetypes, and I felt like these these kind of like you said gothic or medieval artwork, it feels very archetypal in the sense that it's 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 keyed in on mortality. Whenever you see like skeletons or bones, right. There's kind of this long history as humans of tapping into our awareness of our own mortality, which is what makes us unique, you know, as creatures on this planet. And I think that it it has a much more, it, it, it puts it all into a context of something that's much bigger than you in the sense that you're living your life, but there, there are, billions of lives that have been lived before you. And it's it's humbling and also overwhelming at the same time to to really absorb that concept. But when you do, it it puts your life into kind of this bigger story that you're a player in or an actor on the, the stage of the world, this drama that we're living out called life. And so it, it kind of felt in line with that way of thinking. And also, I just really liked the artwork when I saw Micah, Micah Ulrich's work, I just something about it resonated. Um, and then your second question, uh, you were saying like, what makes it different than these other tests? Um, what the biggest difference is kind of the layout of the test. You know, like I was saying earlier that how Myers-Briggs did it was this four letter kind of binary for each letter, uh, analysis. Hmm. And in the big five, they're they they're focusing on these big five traits. And, and they're more of a percentage-based system on that. And then, uh, you know, obviously the Zodiac is just when you're born. And uh, there's a few others, like there's like the color system and these other ones that they do stuff similar, but mine is more of a, a chart. So there's four quadrants. Uh, and this is what right. makes it unique is I tapped into some of the kind of the uh you know alchemy you know alchemical kind of ways of thinking where they had different elements um in mine as you can see at the bottom left there's the matter quadrant which is denoted by the open circle and then right. in the top left there's the moon which is the symbol for ether and to the right you see at top right is the light which looks like a sun and then the bottom right there is time, which looks like a bunch of, you know, circles nested within each other because um, time is uh, cyclical. You know, um, yeah. a lot of people think of time as linear, uh, like a past and a future. But in the world of psyche and archetypes that I'm talking about, time is more cyclical. It's actually there are these time periods and these phases of your life that occur. And then when. You live another life. There's another cycle. And so these four quadrants, um, my test focuses on narrowing you down to one of the four that you most often reside in. Right. And of those four, there's two types in each of the four quadrants. And those two types are an outward type or an inner type. And that's what I was talking about earlier using the binary questions, which determine which of the two in that quadrant that you are. And okay. if, to give you an example, an outward type is typically someone who's more aggressive, a little more uh, reactive, a little more active, uh, a little more extroverted, um, a little more disagreeable. Um, it, You know, if you could think of a, a, a hot energy and a cool energy, they would be the hot energy. And then okay. the inner type is more like the cool energy you know they are more passive they're more agreeable they're more uh, focused on finding the harmonious solution the win-win okay. um, less focused on uh, dominance as a form of interacting with others you know they're not as focused on using power they're more focused on using harmony and uh, and so it's yeah those kinds of things.
1: I ended up getting fuse the lightning catchers and it says these spirit types are wholehearted in everything they go after their connection to goodness is what allows them to be so free spirited when they are engaged in what they love. Their energy is infectious, but also easy to manipulate and cage. They oscillate between flying free and shackling themselves to others expectations. They have the power to spark new things into existence. As long as they surround themselves with those who can turn that spark into fire. That's pretty yeah. good. Because <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, I'm definitely someone, I mean, I've lived, I sort of live, I've been freelancing now for over 25 years and I work at home and like I tend to surround myself with artists, actually. You know, not so much lawyers, bankers, doctor types, but really like I have a lot of artists around me. Um, yeah. What did it also say? I mean, you know, the element was ether, perception, heart, energy outward, light side is optimistic, amenable, resilient, shadow side, that we go to with Jung, short sighted, vice, blame shifting. Ooh, vice. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. I think it's, I mean, there's some questions. I almost thought, should I be doing it to this degree? Is it should be plus two or plus three or negative two or negative one? And so it's interesting if right. I took it again, what I might get.
2: Yeah. Um, and at the start of the test and in the introduction, there's kind of a suggestion to take it more than once on different days, you know, when you're right. just kind of in a different state of mind and, and, you know if you it, ideally, not everybody has the time or the focus, but if you take it like three times, you, know, you get the best of three. Most people so far have been getting the same one each time, which is really great news. It means that it's working and it's predictable. Um, but some people would oscillate between two types, and they were right on the border, you know so they were just oh, interesting super close that every time they took it they were and they were two types that were right next to each other, so that happens too. Um,
1: and, what did you get?
2: Uh, I got true, so I'm the the true type. Uh, I'm in the light quadrant, and uh, it's a it's an outward energy, and uh, yeah, the true is uh, so you, you're in the ether quadrant as a fuse, right? And the the ether quadrant is basically the creative quadrant for the heart types. So you're one of the two big determining Mm. factors is if you're heart dominant or head dominant. And of course we have both, all of us use both, but, um, if you're a fuse type, you're heart dominant. And then of the two heart dominants, you're either in the matter quadrant or the ether quadrant and matter is much more of the pragmatic, practical, traditional, um, taking the path that's already been paved you know uh just kind of that type and the ether is a little more excited by creative things and new ways of doing things and you know a little more outside of the box for the heart type okay a little more creative. a lot of artists are getting the fuse type is what i'm noticing um,
1: it, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And the shadow side, you know, a lot of times when people read these, it's you know, they'll see the shadow side and they're like, oh God, I don't know if that's me. Or they see the light side. It again, it's not necessarily that you've manifested those qualities, but what it's showing is that the right. the dysfunctional version of that type. You know, when uh, when they're in a toxic arrangement or relationship or something that's like not good and puts them into their shadow side. That's typically how it manifests itself more often than not. Um,
1: what did your bandmates get? Did they get different ones?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Mark and Dan, uh guitar player and the bass player, they both got fuse. So just like you um, and totally made sense for them after I, st- I didn't, I imagine Mark might, but Dan, I wasn't so sure about. So I was kind of surprised okay. by his, but then as time went on, I was like, ah, "Actually, it kind of makes sense." And then our drummer got constant, which, uh, ironically, you know, he's the one keeping time in the band, and
1: <laughs> you know, keeping the tempo. And personality-wise, off. also.
2: Yes, he is the most robotic in the band. You know, he he's okay. hyper logical. Um, like his girlfriend basically says, "You know, you're like a robot." You know, she loves him to death, but it's funny because she's way more heart and it makes total sense because he's in the – the constant is in the time quadrant and the time quadrant are filled with people who are typically like scientists and people who are maybe accountants. You know, people who are just like hyper data, just all about data, thinking in the future and in the past, constantly projecting they're not someone that's gonna break out on the dance floor. They're someone who's gonna make a calculation and decide what to do you know next week yeah, yeah. um that's why they're in the time quadrant and the uh, people like me I'm in the light quadrant it's more of the the types that are basically in between the ether types and the time types like it's like i i can Relate to my drummer. I was a drummer myself, so I think very logically, yeah. but I also have the ether side that's way more creative, spark, and you know, interested in language and stuff like that. So it pulls me out of that time quadrant, and I'm not hyper analytical like a scientist would be.
1: So, have you tried this in some of your rock star friends? This particular test,
2: yes, yeah, yeah, I have. Um, you know, uh, Chris Daughtry, um, yeah you know he he was a fuse like you as well um you actually are in good company i mean uh maria brink from in this moment she was a fuse uh adam yeah. moody from five finger death punch he was a f- uh, a fuse as well um let me see who else was a fuse um who's that uh the the radio dj's at uh it's Sirius XM Octane like three of them were fuses Hmm. Uh, so some of the people there. That's cool. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm going to try to get more people in our industry
1: to take it. Uh,
2: but I got, a, I got a wide variety of yeah, different types.
1: Those and did see. we talk about, this, you know, in terms of understanding the chart, you basically have four elements, four perceptions, the dualities, and the four paths. Yeah. So how do those mix together in your test?
2: Yeah, so the... We talked about the, the four th- elements already. Yeah, so we kind of touched on the four elements. Um, I'm just going to pull it up on my phone so I have... Uh, so it, Sometimes when I'm looking at it visually, it helps to... Like, for me to organize my thoughts. But uh, where is yeah. it? Understanding chart. Yeah, so on the Spirits Test website, you can click on Understanding the Chart, and what you were just yeah. referencing is here. And it has the... The icon's all laid out. Um, the f- We touched on the four elements, which is basically the four quadrants, and yep. then the four perceptions. Um, if you look at the chart here, I wish I had a, l- a little fancier way to share my image here, but this is... you okay. can see there's a heart right there. There's an eye right there, which stands for sight. There's a skull yep. right there that stands for head. And right... Here at the bottom, there is a wave that stands for sound. So it's heart, head, sight, and sound. And just like the four uh, elements determine which quadrant you're in, these are are actually determining, like, the X and Y chart. You know, like in math class growing up when you had the X and Y charts. And it just Mm -hmm. determines, you know between some of the questions are aimed at if you're head dominant or heart dominant. Do you process an event or a situation that arises? Do you process it in your heart first and then think about what you're going to do? Or do you process it, do you have a buffer where you are more thinking in your head and you don't really feel anything until later? Um, See, I'm more more head dominant person, so I don't feel a lot of things till later. It's like a it, – because it all, all kind of starts here first, whereas heart-dominant people yes. usually feel first and then think next and organize what they're going to do with that feeling, right? Um, yeah. And then the sight and sound, which is the top and the bottom in the middle there, that's really just determining um, – basically like uh, sound – You know, you can't really see sound right? You hear it. It's, it's so much more of a gut thing when you hear like a loud sound, right? It, it, it's the fastest of your senses. It goes straight to your brainstem. I mean, if an explosion happens, I don't think about it. I just pop up out of my chair, right? Um, whereas sight, it's so much more clear and high resolution, but it goes through different parts of our brain. Like it goes through the higher parts in a lot of ways, you know, and is processed in different ways before it hits the deeper parts. So, sound is kind of this metaphorical image in this test for like your gut, kind of your primal instincts. And the eye is more metaphorical for vision. Literally, like when you say someone's a visionary, they. Have a vision in their mind first, and then they okay. follow that vision. That's why the light quadrant is up there. You know, a lot of people in the light quadrant, like myself, are oftentimes the the visionaries in their company or their band, or you know, they usually have the idea to in their mind before they chase it. Whereas the gut types, the sound types, um, when you go lower on the chart, are people who are much more going by instinct they're going one step at a time and dealing with information as it comes rather than having this grand vision and seeing it in the mind first. Yeah. So that's kind of what's going on there. And then when you, after that, there's the dualities, which yep. talked about this basically, right? The dualities there. Um, it's either the outward energy type or the inward energy type, which is okay. um, denoted by the uh, kind of a null set and a triangle. Um, we talked a little bit about that, that You know, yeah. kind of the more aggressive type versus the more harmonious type. And then there's the light side and the shadow side. And the light side and the shadow side is not really a part of the test. It's just a part of the results, saying that these are qualities that you'll tend to manifest when you're really, when things are working and you're positive and you're really aligned, that's the yeah, light yeah. side. When you're in a toxic situation, things are not aligned you're resorting to fearful responses and, and fear and a fearful look at yourself. That's the, that's the shadow side. Those are the things you kind of manifest. And then the four paths is really just, uh, that's kind of the, the categories of the questions that I kind of came up with that. That's really what kind of, you asked earlier, what makes this test different than the others? That's the biggest part of the four paths. It's just the categories that I, narrowed down to in analyzing what types of questions to ask the person and what, you know, and so, and so the four paths, um, basically to sum it up, it's mode is the category of how you process the world. It's what mode you're in, how you process things. And then vantage is how you observe the world, not how you process it, but how you, how you observe before you even process it, right? Yeah. So it's like the difference between the camera on this laptop and the motherboard. The camera is how you observe, it's the lens. Yeah. And mode is how you process, it's like the motherboard, right? And then the next one is ethos, which is how you imagine the world. So has nothing to do with your observation of the world and it doesn't have to do with your processing of that observation it has to do yeah. with your imagination which is unbounded by those two okay. it's its own category and then the last one is spirit which is how you contend in the world so all of those things together you know the lens the motherboard the the, yeah, the yeah. wild card which is the imagination it's what path of survival you tend to take based on all that information. You know, people's... how they contend in the worlds. You know, like when you look at the animal kingdom, you see some animals just found a way to survive by eating the scraps from these other animals. Or some animals found a way to survive by going up into the trees and they found out how to live there. And some animals dig holes and they found out how to live there. And so it's just like that. It's how do you as a human survive the world and the human world you know how do you contend
1: so how many hours do you think you spent making this test (laughs) oh
2: man uh in some form you know over a few years i would say a few hundred hours but it was very spread out over a few years because my main focus was the music obviously and touring um so it was really kind of a passion project on the side right on
1: after our main conversation about the spirit's personality test, Johnny and I delved into discussing the paranormal and dreams. I thought the following story about a surreal dream he had about his grandfather was worth sharing here at the end.
2: So yeah, I got a, a quick story for you in regards to dreams, since so we're talking about yeah. dreams. Um, I've had, I've documented quite a few uh, standout moments I've had with dreams throughout my life, just so I wouldn't forget them. And one that has always stuck with me that was one of the most strange of all of them. Uh, eventually, I'm going to write a book one day with just all of these written out. But my grandfather and my dad uh, were going to go with me to like a ranch the next day. And we were celebrating my granddad's birthday. Um it was the first time we've actually done something together, my dad and my granddad, since I was a kid. And My granddad was uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's uh, later, but he, he'd never had any problems, no episode, nothing. There, there was no way you could tell he had Alzheimer's to any of us. Well, the night before we went to all meet up at this ranch, um, I was in bed with my ex at the time and I went to sleep. I woke up in my dream and this is somewhere around three in the morning and I woke up in the same place. My ex was right next to me in the bed, except all the lights were on. And I was like, that's weird. I thought we turned the lights off. Like when we went to bed and my dad walks into the room and my granddad and a few people from that side of the family. And, uh, basically I go, what are they doing in my room? And then my ex, she sits up and she goes, what are you saying? Like kind of tired. And I go, what are they doing in our room? Why are the lights on? She goes, what are you saying? And she looked concerned now. And I go, Mm. I said, why are they in our room? And she goes, what are you saying? What are you saying? Like, and I was like, and then I started like panicking because I'm like, why is she panicking? You know, yeah. why can't she understand what I'm saying? And then boom, I woke up again, same spot, just like the first dream lights on in the room. And this time I wake her up and I go, I had the strangest dream. My dad and my granddad were in our room and I was talking to you and you couldn't understand me. And she wakes up and she goes, what are you saying? And I go, can you seriously not understand me? And I go, they walked in and then my dad, my granddad walk into the room again with everyone on my dad's side of the family, my cousins, my aunts and uncles, all on my dad's side. And they all come in and they start crowding around the bed. And I go, what are they doing in the room? And she goes, what are you saying? What are you saying? And then the whole family on my dad's side, they looked at me like, like zombies. And they're like, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? What? And then, you know, it escalated into this like freaky horror kind of thing. And they just came in like almost caving in around me. And I was like, why can't y'all understand me? You know, and I wake up a third time. This time the lights are off. And it's the real world. You know, it's not a dream anymore. I wake up Jesse, who's my ex at the time. And I go, oh, oh," I'm like sweating and breathing heavy. I'm like, you never will believe what I just dreamt. And so I told her and she goes, that's crazy. And She went back to bed. You know, I got a phone call in the morning that morning. Again, to this point, my granddad had never had any Alzheimer incidents or anything. My grandmother said, we're going to have to postpone the hangout. Uh, because granddad woke up last night, late into the night, I had to call your father to come over and I was afraid for my life. He had, he freaked out and he was yelling gibberish. I could not understand what he was saying. <laughs> and wow. it was the weirdest, like I got a shiver, I got chills. Cause, and I said, when did this happen? She was like, yeah, around three in the morning or whatever. And when I had woke up, that was like. You know what time it was and uh anyway i it, i really think that there's like ways that you're connected to people through almost like a web you know like a spider's web when a fly flies into it yeah and it wiggles and the spider feels the wiggle it, there's some kind of a invisible connection that translates information and i think sometimes your dreams if you're aware of them uh they take that information and they make these weird little projections um, so that was one of those instances where I was like, "This is weird. There's something to this. like
1: <laughs> very strange. Well listen man, that was that was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate it.